0: You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. What child is this but the very speech of God? Jesus himself is the speech of God. In the text that I've chosen for our brief meditation this evening, we will hear this child speaking for himself. We catch him in the middle of a brief prayer, And so we'll read this together in a moment, but I want you to notice that when Jesus says you, he's speaking to his Father in heaven. And I also want you to catch the word that he repeats again and again and again, and it's a very small word. It's the word in, I-N. I want you to see into what it is that Jesus so passionately wants you to be invited. Jesus prays for you in this prayer. So let's read with attention. Would you open up a Bible? Uh, you may be sitting on one if you're in the front row or in the pew rack in front of you. There's a black book. That's the Bible. And our text tonight is John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. And in the pew Bible, you'll find that on page 880, John 17, verses 20 through 21 They're on the upper left-hand side of the page. And. As is our custom, uh, if you're able, I would invite you to stand with me. And as God's people, let's read his word aloud together. And when we're done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. So that if you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Listen closely, you're reading his holy word. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. Please be seated. Just this past week, we were outside, and all of a sudden, my wife just burst into tears. And I thought, you know, it's a beautiful night. We're out walking the dog. Christmas decorations uh, on all these lovely houses. Quality time with the husband. What more could you want? And yet, she's suddenly just crying. What? What? What went wrong? She said, "George, look across the street. Look in that window." And I looked in this brightly lit windows, front room of the house, and there were two young adults, clearly parents, giant smiles on their faces, and there was this bouncing ball, red big ball flying through the air, and little hands just visible above the threshold, and they were clearly a family engaged in just play. I looked at my wife, and she said, when I looked in that window, I remembered what it was like when our kids were young. And it just seems so much easier to be a family. And the truth of our lives is that right now in our family, we're going through struggle. And we're at a time when we are painfully aware, my wife and I, of our own limitations, of our own failures as parents, and frankly, our own brokenness. And we had forgotten about it for a moment as we enjoyed a nice walk together. But when we looked up inside that window... And saw all that life, all of a sudden we felt very much on the outside. I wonder if you understand what that's like. I I wonder if you if you know what it's like to, to look at the people around you and see how good looking and how successful and how healthy and how well behaved their kids are and how happy their relationships seem to be. And you just look at yourself and you go, What happened to me? Where did I go wrong? I'm standing very much on the outside and the truth of the matter is I don't know how in the world I could ever get back in. That's part of the Christmas story. Being on the outside. It's the outside part of the Christmas story. It's the, you know, no room at the inn part of the Christmas story. It's the truly human and gritty part of the story. It's not just a Christmas story. Sadly, it's the story of our lives. There's something in us, this drive that's persistent. We keep trying to get in. You notice that. Our children are striving to get into the right group of friends. Our high school kids are striving to get into the right college. Our collegians are trying to get into the right career track. Our young adults are trying to get into healthy relationships. And on and on and on, we want to get into health or into shape or into tenure or into the executive boardroom again and again. We don't even know if it's worth getting in that place. And yet we're driven towards it. If you're of a certain age, you may remember the name Jeb Magruder. Uh, Jeb Magruder, it's a great quote. He said, you know, I spent my whole life climbing the ladder of success only to realize it was leaning against the wrong wall. How sad. And, and Magruder was very successful. I mean, he went from room to room to room until he ended up in the ultimate boardroom—the White House itself. Problem was, it was the Nixon White House, and those boys tried a little too hard to get in, and uh, they stayed in for a while until they really wanted to get out. You just saying, "Why lies he in such mean estate, where ox and ass are feeding?" And I think I know the answer to that question. It's because that's where I feed also. I live my life in an outdoor world, yearning to get in but not knowing how. And it's in Jesus Christ that God's humanity draws near to me, like me, comes to me, and to you. Wallace Perling very much wanted to be in the Christmas pageant. He wanted to be a shepherd, but uh, Miss Lombard thought differently. She knew Wallace to be young and a little behind and a little bit slow, and she didn't think he could handle the shepherd's line, so she gave him the part in the pageant that just had one line, the innkeeper. And you know his line, there's no room at the inn. And soon enough that evening came, and soon enough the moment for the line came, and Little Wally, purling, struggled with the door of the set. He burst through the plywood door, and he stood there under the lights. And he was mesmerized of everybody out there. And he waited, and he waited. And then the prompt from behind, a whispering voice said, There's no room at the inn. And he said, There's no room at the inn. Trouble is, Joseph answered back. Joseph was standing there with Mary, and he began to plead with little Wally. He said, Dear innkeeper, my wife is great with child. We've been traveling uh, for so long, and it's cold out here. She's weary, and we need a place to rest. Wally was getting concerned. You could see it in his brow. Didn't know what to say. The prompt again, there's no room at the inn. No, Wally says, there's no room at the inn. And Joseph puts his arm on Mary's shoulder and turns her around, and they both press into the outer darkness. Unfortunately, Wally didn't go back into the inn. And in that moment, Wally recognized what Christmas is all about. It just hit him like a ton of bricks. And you could see his brow furring. You could see, if you were in the front row, a tear coming to his eye. And in that instant, this little town experience a very different Christmas pageant from all the ones that came before and all the ones that would come afterwards as Wally said, wait, Joseph, don't go. And a smile on Wally's face. You can have my room. (laughs) Yes, Wally. I love that story. Because Wally gets it. Because that's what Christmas is all about. Because, you see, there is the outside part of the Christmas story. There's also the inside part of the Christmas story. The backside. It's in that side that we see the very divine, the fully divine nature of God in Jesus Christ. We see the, 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 the prayer that Jesus offers, the, that, that they may be in us, part of the Christmas story. We see the Son of God, on his knees, asking the Father this very simple question, Father, can we give them my room? He wants you in. It's as though we're able to peer through the plywood backdrop of history. It's as though we're given a window into the warmth of heaven where we see sitting by the hearth the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who from eternity past have existed with one another in nothing but eternal love and life and joy. And we get to hear them talking to one another saying, this is great, but there's one thing that's missing and that's them. Would it be possible that just as I am in you, Father, and you are in me, we have this great relationship, this intimacy. Could they be in us? And I don't know how that works. But it's as though Jesus just put a front door on the mystery of the Trinity and said, You come on in. Come out of outside and in. Jesus meets us on the outside, and He takes us in. That's the meaning of Christmas. God has made room for us. That's what we celebrate tonight, isn't it? I wonder if you hear Jesus praying for you tonight. That's what my wife and I needed to hear. As we stood there on the cold, midlife sidewalk, looking across that street... It looked to us like a street that we would never be able to cross. And that room looked to us like a room where life just seemed to be the way it was supposed to be. So different from our own. A room, though we wish all we wanted, we could never again enter. We needed to hear Jesus. We needed to know that he's praying for us. We need to overhear the divine conversation in which God, I believe, would be saying to us, George, Anne, look, that room. I don't need you to be in that room to give you joy. I may lead you through that room and other rooms, Through the course of our time together and as you live this life on this planet. But I want to tell you that I always have a room and you're always in. And you have no need to consider yourself or to live like an outsider. Because with me, you're always in. And George, as you look into that room, the life and the love and the joy in that space, which is beautiful. But you need to know it's nothing but the dimmest shadow of the life and love and joy that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit invite you to enter. Won't you come in? Won't you know that you are already in? And well, as we talked more, a little time passed, we regained our orientation because we do know Jesus Christ. And we and we did return to a sense of joy in our own lives, despite the problems. There was not resolution. Our problems persist, and we're smack dab in the middle of them. But what we know now is that while God doesn't always resolve our difficulties, He always promises to walk with us through them. Just as He walks with you tonight. Your God with you. Well, that was for us. What about you? I want to invite you to think for just a moment, where are you standing tonight? Into what windows do you find yourself peering tonight? You may say, George, everything's great tonight. Life is great, it's never been better. And I hope that's true for all of us. But I just know that some of you are like me. Some of you, your world is changing so quickly that it feels like someone has just stolen your life and left you on the outside looking in. What you need to know is that God has made room for you. Even if you haven't made room for him, God has made room for you. You are in. You've got it made. You're not in some physical room. You're in a constellation of relationships that is pure intimacy. And that's what we want when we want to get in anyways, isn't it? Intimacy. And God says to you, there's nothing outside of my grace There is no sin too deep. There is no illness too grave. There is no heartbreak too complete for me to reach you. I'm in you, and you're in me. If you could just believe this, if you could just trust me tonight, just trust me. I wonder, are you willing to let Jesus surprise you this Christmas Eve? A couple days after that night, I was outside again. I jog in the mornings, and if you're out jogging these days, you know it's very dark. The days are short, and so again, I was running through the dark in a park, and I was coming up on two joggers ahead. It turned out to be two women, and I, I, I've run enough to know that I've got to be careful when I approach joggers, particularly in the dark. Uh, so I was coming up fairly quickly on them, and so what I can try to i don't want to scare them, right? So. I said in my very nice inside voice, my best pastoral voice, I said, on your left, it's about 20 feet out. I said, that's nice, right? By the way, I want to apologize if you're here worshiping with us tonight um, because it absolutely didn't work. These two women just screamed. As loud as I was absolutely, I was scared. And, and the, the one that was on my left that I was passing, she threw out her arms and she backed into her companion, threw her off the trail and in, into the bushes. <laughs> and you know what came to my mind? What I wanted to say was, fear not, I bring you good tidings of greatness. And what they said, what she said, actually what she screamed is, and I say this in all reverence, I know it's Christmas Eve. She said, Jesus! <laughs> and I wanted to say, no, just really close, a really good pastor. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that. I put all my smart alec thoughts to the side and I just mumbled, I'm sorry. And I kept running got out of there as quickly as I possibly could. <laughs> but it made me think about the Christmas season. Maybe think about every, every time Christmas breaks out in these stories, there's always an angel who has to somewhat apologetically say, don't be afraid. It's just so shocking. That if you really want to make contact with God tonight, you've got to prepare yourself to be utterly surprised. And that's the trick. That's the trick to really celebrating Christmas. It's, it's, it's how to take a very familiar story and let it absolutely overcome you. I think if Jesus really had run up on those two women, he wouldn't have apologized. Because that's exactly what he wants to do in their lives, in my life, and I think in yours as well. You're in. Friends, he's praying for you tonight. Let's join him in prayer as we go to the Father. Would you bow your head with me? And as you do, I realize that you may not be used to praying. That's okay. You may not have expected to find yourself offering a prayer tonight, and that's okay. But tonight as you worship, if you hear another voice or have heard, other than the band, the choir, the people singing next to you, my own voice, I want you to consider that it might just possibly be the voice of your Savior speaking within you just as He promised. And if you want to respond to him, say these words silently in your heart with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming into this world. As a baby you came 2,000 years ago, through your spirit, you have come this Christmas night for me. I know I need you. The Bible tells us that you stand at the door of our lives and knock, and if anyone opens the door, you will come in. Jesus, tonight I open the door. I give all that I know of myself to all that I know of you, and I trust you that you always keep your promises. Thank you for living within me so that I can be alive today and forever in you. Amen.